Hello and welcome back to Cast the Pod to your Witcher. I'm your co-host Dov. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm Max. And today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 6 of the Netflix series, which is called Rare Species. Mags, would you like to introduce our first scene? Yeah, so we start off with um, our boy Jaskier composing a little tune, having a little sing-song on the hill <laughs> in a very loud outfit, as ever he is, <laughs> um, with his with his sketch, with his notepad, which has been quite a source of uh, content on the internet. <laughs> so, <laughs> So he's struggling with his lyrics, and uh, yeah, I think Aaron wanted to discuss the the content of the book. Yeah, some Tumblr users, notably Tumblr user Sootdust, got a hold of some very high res stills from the scene, and it turns out what is written in the notebook is legible. So we get an early draft of her sweet kiss from before the events of the end of the episode, which I think is kind of interesting. It's quite fantastic, to be honest. Like that. They actually like went to the to the level of attention necessary to decode what's written in like that you know like notebook. Yeah, um, the the fandom is dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the alternate lyrics are kind of interesting. I could just sort of read them out because it's really short. So what you can see of them says, "Then so tell me, love, you make me your prize." How is that just? If I were a man of more merit, if I were a man of resolve, I'd leave you behind to get my fair peace of mind from a bottle of grain alcohol. But I'm weak, my love. And then on the second page, it says, at most my friend, give you my, it either says promise or penance, gorgeous garotter, jury and judge. And it says something monster, lovely garotter, jury and judge. So make of that what you will. Mm, yeah, because it's, yeah, he's trying to decide between lovely garotter or gorgeous garotter in the start, isn't he? With yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the bit he actually reads out. But yeah, what yes. I think uh, like people on Tumblr found interesting, and I, I find it interesting as well, is that like it, uh, it actually makes... Because like, at first sight, especially because like later on this song plays in the credits, it feels as though the topic of uh, the lyrics is uh, Geralt and Yennefer's relationship. Which we know out of canon that, like, Yaskier milks for every last drop of coin uh, at music festivals. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the lyrics, the, the, the first draft of the lyrics, as, like, figured out by people online, makes it sound actually a lot like it's about uh, his own, like, relationship with Geralt and, like, trying to decide whether constantly being low-key abused by his best friend is not, like, a reason to just go and leave. Yeah, especially because there's this line that says either almost or at most, my friend. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not very subtle, is it? Mm-hmm. And I actually think that, um, yeah, there's there's two things. This um, using Garotter as the line, I mean, yeah. in episode one, Marilka says yeah. Geralt like Garotter for no reason, because it doesn't sound alike yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> and... yeah. I noticed oh. that as well. Like, um, yeah. you know, before before the guys online had decoded the meaning of the notebook, I actually thought, I, I noticed it in a kind of way along the lines of, wow, this 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 show mentions the word garotter probably more times than I've heard it mentioned in my entire <laughs> life. Like, they really like know, this right? word. <laughs> like, um, but, but it makes a lot of sense um, when you... 
look at her sweet kiss and it's deliberately used as a parallel for like Geralt's own name. Mm -hmm. And I think um, if we read sort of this first draft as being about Gaskier trying to work out like what he's doing with his life, because I think timeline wise, it's also kind of important to remember that he's in his early 40s in this episode. So he's sort of having yeah, a midlife crisis. Say, he's going to be going a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, a human midlife crisis, not a. a well, yes, assuming crisis. he was human, um, <laughs> which we can't, we can't assume. Uh, as we've established, we cannot assume that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's yeah, he would be going through sort of a midlife crisis um, and trying to figure out what he's been Quarter sort of doing. Quarter life crisis, if he's a half with himself. Quarter life crisis, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's something to bear in mind for the rest of the episode, because I think, like, Loki, there's, like, a, even though he's a background character for a lot of this episode, there's actually a lot... And I mean, not even so subtly, there's a lot going on, on in terms of, like, you know, him trying to find basically a place for him in this story, because, like, Geralt is not exactly being, like, you know... Like, you know, in the last episode, we've discussed that he sometimes, like, expressed, like actual warm feelings towards Yaskir, like saying that he has to save the for his life because she saved Yaskir and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. But like, he is kind of a dick to him. <laughs> this is a call out, Geralt. Like, you are an yes. article to Yaskir. Um, and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in fact, that leads us into uh, the rest of this scene because mm -hmm. Yaskir is sitting there um, composing her sweet kiss and the two men he is there with that uh, Geralt's off hunting a, a monster for have decided that Geralt's probably dead and they should just rob his things. Yaskir tries to stop them in the only way he can, which is just saying, like, hey, guys, don't do that. Hey, no. <laughs> 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 um, and then uh, enter um, a small middle-aged man Honestly, and his I'd say two he amazing, looks like terrifying bodyguards. <laughs> Sorry, Horst, but you're old. Okay, I was trying to be kind. And one of the uh, amazing, beautiful, terrifying bodyguards uh, just snaps the neck Quite of one of the guys who's yeah. trying to steal Roach's um, saddlebags. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally just twists it and he's dead. Like, Yeah, yeah. So Geralt returns with the, the head of the monster he's been you know, hunting. Well, to... he, hoi he hucks it out of the cave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to find this scene, which Yaskir tries to explain that, uh, you know, this woman just broke this man's neck for trying to steal Geralt's things, which, and here's Geralt being a dick to Yaskir, and Yaskir having to think about his life choices. <laughs> Again, says, maybe she'd make a better travel companion <laughs> then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just like, Geralt, please. <laughs> Sometimes it's just excessive. <laughs> Like, and I think this is actually like perhaps worth saying that I think it's very interesting how different show Geralt is from book Geralt in this regard. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know if like we've we've mentioned this before, but like I mean we must have because I keep coming back to this and thinking about it. Is that um, like in the in the books Geralt is actually usually even like extremely kind to Dandelion and explicitly says that he's my best friend. And that, like, you know, just, like, ha like, having him around is a great help. Yeah, like, even when Nenica tries to say, like, oh, I don't get you two, you're nothing alike, he's, like, opposites attract, he's my friend, after all. Yeah, 
Like, and and I think that's interesting because like in the TV series, not only is that the complete opposite because the because because Geralt is a little bit of a well, actually, a lot of a dick towards Yaskir when Yaskir is genuinely trying to help. But in the books, it's the inverse also in the in the regard that actually in the books, a lot of the time, to use a line from later in the episode, when Geralt finds himself in shit, yeah, it's Yaskir who's shoveling it and he actually is actively <laughs> and helpful at times. That, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, he okay. tries. Also, sometimes he genuinely, like, doesn't and, like, goes out of his way to just, like, abandon Geralt, like, in the books. In the TV series, it's the complete opposite. Like... If you, mm, okay, <laughs> I know which episode you're referring to in the books, and that is so far down the line that... <laughs> yeah, 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 but, like, but it's, it's not, like, completely out of the character, because, like, a lot of the time he also... In the books, they're at least, like, you know, he sometimes, like, as a reader, get annoyed at Yaskir for, on the basis of, like, even when he's, like, trying to provide help, he's doing so, like, in a genuinely, like, kind of, like, a little bit inconsiderate the like clumsy bard kind of way like whereas in the tv series that, that there is still a lot of that in the sense that like when he tries to help as it happens with the basilisk nothing really comes of it but also like it seems like he much more genuinely cares about like every aspect of Geralt's life and you know just to make sure that he's not that his friend isn't robbed and things like that you mm-hmm. know like which like Book Yaskir would also probably do, but like in a kind of way where you'd go, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I get him is a little bit justified here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after uh, uh, after this uh, sort of Geralt being a bit mean to to Yaskir, um, Borch introduces himself as uh, Borch Three Jackdaws and his companions as uh, Taya and Vea, and says that he's actually specifically here looking for Geralt. The title roles and everything, and uh, yep. <laughs> so they go to the pub, and uh, yeah, you, you get the, basically Borch just sort of begging up Geralt and saying, you know, D Geralt of Rivia, I knew I'd like you. Your deeds are legendary. All this kind of stuff. Yes, you says you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yes, is desperately also trying to flirt with his the rather embarrassing way. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, on the subject. On the subject of necks, yes, you have the most incredible <laughs> neck, like a sex abuse. <laughs> uh, who says things like that, Yaskir? Like, like honestly. And I, think, <laughs> I think it's worth note, like, before going into the rest of mm-hmm. the discussion that they have and the rest of the scene, that in the book they go and have a foursome. Like, Thea, Vea, Geralt, yes, and Borg. Yeah, in a bathtub. This is the bath orgy. <laughs> <laughs> They omitted a bath <laughs> yeah, orgy, a bath from, orgy. From, from the episode, which which is important to mention. Yeah, it is important to mention because if people want to say that the show is like sexing up the books, it is in fact got way less. It's actually explicit. Much less well, that, that one's actually off screen, but yeah, it's actually much less like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's fewer bath scenes. I mean, the first line of the first book is "She came to him in the night." That is, if I remember rightly. Yeah, that is correct. Glitch. Yeah, the first, the first scene in the book. Yeah, with, pr- yeah, with fairly with explicit sex, actually, um, and it just goes. I mean, it describes her putting her boot and, like, in her on his eyes like for some reason. Come on, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think Sapkowski so has then, had yeah, sex? The, the because, like, to be fair, that. Sometimes I do wonder, like... 
No, you know what? His sex scenes are so much better than George R. R. Martin's that I fully believe that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Some of them yeah. are actually really quite well done in the books. And they, they kind of describe the feelings that are going on and everything like that. And they're quite One of the nice best ones didn't even make it into than... the show. The Bellatane one didn't even yeah. make it into the show. And that's like it's, the best it's really one. really good, actually, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get it in yeah. season two because Geralt and Yennefer will have to make up at some point. That's true. Um, yeah, this, this scene is it's quite long because, the, you know, the, you're introduced in very TV show style to all the characters bit by bit and you learn bits of information about them. So, you know, Jaskier flirting with the two stunning women and them being very quite, you know, stoic and how they respond. <laughs> I mean, I think flirting is pushing the limit of the word there. Uh-huh. They're definitely not into his idea of writing the ballad of uh, the two Zeracanians and their valiant yeah. poet lover. He's right. To, he, he, he's flirting like a 17-year-old. Which is quite funny because we know um, he doesn't have any trouble getting laid because his, his trouble is that he gets into trouble getting laid. So <laughs> so why is he so bad at this? <laughs> <It's actually there>. <laughs> <laughs> is it the fact that he's trying to do and, it yeah. two people at once? Like, just, the, the, the way he did like. I mean, ambitious. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> respect the hustle. Yeah, there's like, yeah, and we get the sort of we what, see what, the reavers. What were at it? Aren't they actually sisters, Tay and Vea? Like, I think they're twins. Oh God, it was a twin incest force. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sad. There, there are there are reasons oh, why no. that was cut. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um. Yeah. And um. I think there's. Uh, Borch says the line that's he's very insights, in, insightful of Geralt, you know, there's a hole inside you, an itch that can't be scratched and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, yeah, it burns at your brain, I'll show you what you're missing. Yes. Oh, well, that's a He's hint, actually, isn't it? like, clearly, like, peering into Geralt's mind as well, which, like, I think, you know, is a very nice way of emphasizing, like, how, as we later find out, mm. not actually very human Borch is, and that, mm-hmm. like, something yeah, is weird. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also where we find out that Geralt is a dinosaur yes. kid. But Geralt for is a dinosaur kid, but for dragons. That is an accurate characterization. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we get, you know, uh, who walks in but one of our three faves in a, a really beautiful Oh, yeah, I love that coat. Actually. I don't know what you'd call it. It's, it's a hell of a coat. Yennefer's like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. coat looks gorgeous in yeah. this. Um, some the costume design is consistently incredible, to be fair, in this series. And um, of course, Geralt immediately turns around and says, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, so basically, Borch has been trying to convince Geralt that he should come on this dragon hunt, and Geralt's like, I don't kill dragons. No, there's like no way you're talking me into this. And Yaskier's trying to consistently trying to talk him into it because he wants to, you know, stick next to the Zeracanian ladies as long as possible. Right about it. <sighs> But we do find out that Geralt doesn't kill dragons, but nevertheless is willing to accompany someone who at least claims that he's intending to. Yeah, as long as Yennefer's there. <laughs> the moment Yennefer appears, which is a very good way of suspending your ethical and moral qualms, Geralt, that's all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> which we should probably note that Gaskier, as soon as Yennefer enters the scene, is uh, immediately does a full 180 and is like, oh no, no, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. His face drops Whereas like a Geralt's face goes all dopey I mean, and lovesick. Or gets dragged into and, and like unfortunate things just because Geralt is chasing Yennefer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I think um, 
one of the things about this scene as well is you know you see the dwarves and um uh yarpin when he's eventually it seems like it's a, they've sort of made them artificially <laughs> <laughs> i think they're a bit too boisterous in a way yeah, that doesn't really that. read as kind of yeah. rational um even compared to the books it's just kind of like oh, yeah i mean like... i think in fairness <laughs> i i like like tv series Yarpin, he's actually like oh yeah yeah I do, they made him a bit comic like, reliefy whereas the, the dwarves and the, the the books are like just like dignified well dignified as people dignified as minus the spitting it by a lot because things, they do but... swear a lot and spit and they're, yeah they're like a bit <laughs> of a living like st- stereotype yeah. of a scottish person even in the books but like i suppose what I will say, though, is I think Yarpin's little episode in the pub is somewhat justified because if you so I may have watched this episode too many times and watched for a lot of background stuff. But if you're watching that bit, the barkeeper keeps serving other people while he's trying to order ah, and ignoring him. So there's, a so there's just like a little anti-non-human bigotry going on. And then that's why he that eventually snaps. And... That is actually quite cool. Yeah. Okay. Tue pardoni. So I think that, yeah, I think there might have been just like another little like reminder about sort of the, the situation of non-humans, especially because we haven't really been around dwarves before in the Also, I mean, point. like, it's quite illustrative of how dwarves generally deal with that problem in both the TV series and the books. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. With sea heels and axes yes. and shooting at people. Yeah, rightly so. So um, when Geralt says, I'm in, we sort of fade to... Geralt and Yasker sort of out in the forest and Yasker's complaining that they didn't warn them that yes. uh, the path was too steep or narrow for horses and Geralt's just kind of grumbling welcome to the world Yasker at him so it's clearly <laughs> clearly they're <laughs> not getting along great possibly over the, the the Yennefer thing and this is where um, Geralt introduces himself or Yarpin introduces himself to Geralt and then yeah Yaskir tries to sort of follow up and go and shake Yarpin's hand and introduces himself as Julian yeah, Alfred Pankratz. Which is yeah. that's that not to spoil hole. the books. Let's put it this way. Like, oh yes. That's a long way away. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a plot hole in the sense that I think A, Geralt's not paying any attention yeah, to him, he's already walked off at this point. B I oh, I mean it, the changing yeah, something yeah, from the yeah, books like, isn't necessarily. Let's put it this way. If 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 they, they followed the books literally for the rest of the T V series, it would be a plot hole. Yes. <laughs> Unless they're accepting Season of Storms as canon. Which we have we will have to talk about that when we talk about Season of Storms. <laughs> it's uh, one big plot hole. Anyway, like um no, but but um what we're what we're actually talking about for those like unfamiliar without spoiling too much, um, is that um while that is uh, Yaskir's real name, in the books we do not find it out until a long while later. This made into quite mm-hmm. a big thing when we do. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is really interesting here about him doing this is I don't think this was a casual choice by the, the scriptwriters. I think this ties into the larger issue of Yaskir trying to figure out what he is doing with his life so much like we just discussed at the start of the episode with sort of him writing lyrics to her her sweet kiss and you know figuring out what he's been doing with the last 22 years and and whether it's worth it he's you know dropped his stage name using his real name he's actually also wearing a signet ring which yeah. um i think he might this might be a sign that he's kind of like looking at embracing his real name and 
life and responsibilities, possibly, because he's getting older and this life isn't working out the way he expected it to, even though he's mm. famous. And Also, I mean, if you tie it into a little bit regarding the books, then there is an entire backstory be- behind, like, you know, the life we ha- he had when he was using his real name. And uh, if he's... If he's like you know examining, yes, yeah, there's good reason why he is pseudonymous. If we take you know book canon as also TV series canon in a sense, then the, he he might be thinking about certain things from that life. I'm trying to describe it without spoiling and really struggling, like, but everyone who's read the books will understand what I mean. Like, yeah, I think it's enough to say that him using his real name and wearing what looks like a signet ring is a hint that he is considering who he is yeah. and what he wants to do very also, shortly. I think, like, you know, uh, to take another perspective on it, I think it's also possible that, like, uh, he's, mm. um, like, maybe it's reflective of, like, uh, the fact that he deems, like, Yarpin such a no-nonsense person that, like, uh, introducing him to, like, introducing himself to him via pseudonym, you know, it's... Yarp is just too serious to like take the name Yaskier seriously. Yeah, I think it could be also to who, but yeah, as you say, who he's introducing himself to, maybe. Um, it's not a customer. It's that's true, but he also like with. has been using the name Yaskier with his quote unquote best friend Geralt for twenty two years. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the that's precisely what I mean, right? Yeah, like, um, Perhaps, like, it's, uh, in certain situations, he feels that he needs a higher degree of formality. Yeah, I don't think there's really any really... precedent for that no, from canon. No, there really though, isn't. So... Like, but uh, all yeah. I'm saying is that, like, it would be really funny if the first person that he felt that he respected so much as to need to use his real name was Yarpen Zygrim. <laughs> Who refuses yeah. to shake his hand and walks off. <laughs> Indeed. Between, like, the entire fucking group of travelers, yep. like, because you already... Like, um, yeah, you already have it established that, like, Yarpin doesn't like the Reavers, for instance, uh, because he suspects them of, like, stealing mm-hmm. his pouch. But, well, rather, not because, but, like, we see that mm-hmm. through the fact that he accuses them of, of stealing his pouch. And uh, there's some sort of tension going on all around this expedition. Yeah, you know, and we get the head-to-head between, you know, we get the line, <laughs> your, the crow's feet are new. Witchers are bound to bump into monsters eventually. Yeah, your jokes are old. <laughs> yeah, so Yennefer uh, approaches, yes. yeah, so Yennefer approaches Geralt and uh, and Yaskir where they're standing with Roach sort of uh, tying Roach up and getting their baggage and things and just, yeah, just walks up to Yaskir and says like, haven't seen you in a while, the crow's feet are new. <laughs> and then, so... Yaskir kind of walks off after the your jokes are old and then there's this perfect bit that must have that must not have been scripted that got left in where Roach just like <laughs> headbutts Geralt while he's trying to look cool and talk to Yen. It's just like, oh thanks, Roach. <laughs> Roach, honestly. What's that maybe? I'm the hero of a character. Yeah. And I've got to say, I love Henry Cavill's character choices here because when he's talking to Yen, he's like got the dopiest expression on his face. He's like pouting and doing bedroom eyes at her. I'm just being like, what are you doing here, Yen? And it's just, it's just, I, I love the way he's like chosen to take this like super stoic character and make him like absolutely besotted. That's what's good. 
It's great, yeah. actually. I love it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Completely in character as yeah. well. So we get um, Yen chatting with Sir Ike, this pompous um, knight. Um, well, not, not so much chatting with him, but just they're travelling together and he's wanders off and kneels and does some weird for kingdom and glory type nonsense shouting into the sky so he's clearly <laughs> yes um... i think with context from the books we are immediately suspicious of these dopey religious knights but um the show doesn't really give us the the context of whichever ones that were hassling nanaka but no he's not part of that either he's like just the tolerant knight of the books but here he's actually like an ambitious adventurer which is also interesting because he's he seems to be there to like, like Ian says he's basically there because he wants to become a vassal. Yeah, so we were told earlier, I think, that one of the rewards on offer for killing this dragon before Nidabir's wedding was to be offered um, uh, the position of a lord of a small bit of his kingdom. And it's actually, it's actually quite funny, like, how, like, already from the moment that he, we first see him, that, the, like, um... There is just a very powerful context cue that I just started laughing at out loud on my rewatch today, where after he like pulls out his sword and says like you know for kingdom and glory and like nobody is like really watching him except for like Yen who's like pointing him out to Gerald. There's just a moment of like <laughs> silence and like Yen's face just like drops in like visible palpable embarrassment. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's actually <laughs> fantastic. It's wonderful. Like <laughs> this is this is the shit I'm dealing with. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, um, as much as his character is ridiculous, um, again, the casting yeah. on the show is so on point. His physical acting with his like his awkwardness and everything is just so well done. <laughs> like you just need to look at the way he moves yeah, to know yeah. he's one hundred percent. It's so well done. Um... <laughs> So then we cut away back a forest with uh, Mouse Sack, Siri, and uh, Dara. Not quite Mouse Sack, but yeah. <laughs> quote unquote Mouse Sack. <laughs> yes, uh, quote unquote. And he's uh, visibly irritated and frustrated and they're wandering about. And yes, um, they're. Yes, and Siri's asking Mouse Sack a lot of questions about what's happened, but she's not getting particularly specific yet there's there's a very very short scene but there's one thing that i noticed i thought was really interesting which is that mosak getting you know irritated with all of series questions about where they're going and what they're doing starts slipping and using our pronouns he starts using the dopplers like first person plural pronouns oh but yeah yeah that's it for that scene it's super short yeah and then we're back with jaskier trying on his luck with tia and vea um bless him and then sort of asking, why? What are you doing with him? Why are you with this um, slightly podgy old boy? <laughs> it's like, he is the most beautiful to his it's obvious... It's actually great how, like, um... Vea expresses it because she says it in such a, like, yes. tone of voice as though it's self-evident. Like, why? How, how dare you? How dare you even ask? Like... <laughs> He's the most beautiful, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There is something unusual going on, yeah. Again, just yeah, sort of emphasizing that he's there's something strange about yeah. him. Yeah, and then um, we get sort of um, Geralt is talking to Borch, and notably Geralt and Gaskier are like pretty apart for most of this episode. So Geralt's talking to Borch, and Borch is 
noticing like you know that Geralt's staring at Yennefer and saying you know you worry if you blink you'll never see her again you're in love with her and Geralt tries to play it off like yeah. oh the dra- danger no it's because the danger here isn't the dragon it's actually it's actually <laughs> fantastic like as well like the tone of voice with which Borch says it like says the line um you're in love with her because it's like it's like very like almost condescending for a moment because it's just like ah mortals (laughs) (laughs) uh gerald also starts giving his dragon facts here not the full monologue but yeah but he's doing the dragons avoid people it should have left when they attacked (laughs) um so okay um i don't know if you guys noticed this but there's something yaskir says just like incidentally that i cannot figure out for the life of me what he's talking about because he's clearly trying to flirt with Taya and vea but I have no idea what he thinks he's referring to. So there's like this, it sort of like pans over to Yaskir and he's like chatting at them and he's like, you know, yeah, you can use twigs, but I prefer flowers, roses, daffodils, a cactus if she's really into it. I'm like, what are you talking about? What the about? hell are you talking about, Yaskir? Like, <laughs> like a cactus if she's you really into You can use twigs, it. but you, but, but, but possibly. Yeah. I... What? <laughs> What, yeah, what kind of weird... Like, what are I mean, you I don't even Yaskier? think it is about <laughs> sex, kind of, because yeah, it's actually a bit too strange to be about sex. Like, But then, but I wouldn't have thought it would have been, except for you said, if she's really yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, no, like, I mean, that's that's the line that would hint that it's about sex, but, like, but, but the thing is that, like, all the rest of it is just so... Like, what the hell would you do with a flower? I'm not even going to think about the cactus. I'm going to refrain. Or the twigs. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> So yeah, listeners, if any of you have any idea, uh, it's like PG-13, please just leave it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, it's just in the comments. <laughs> yeah, get us on Twitter or, yeah, at castapod to which gmail.com. Please, if you have literally any idea what he's talking about, we're stumped. <laughs> we're the most, we are the most yeah. like, obsessive Witcher nerds and we're stumped. <laughs> We are the most stumped. Um, but after he's having this little conversation with Taya and Vea, he decides he's going to go try to find them a snack and wanders off into the, the bush to go pick some berries. <laughs> yes. I think also it's worth mentioning there's um, there's a line of dialogue um, which comes from Borch where, you know, they're looking at this smoky scene, you know, the fires clearly set fire to stuff and Borch mentions, you know, when your species are on the verge of collapse, you know, oh, you can do yeah, anything. That's... Um, or it's a pretty to say, but, like uh, strong as, hint. Let's yeah, just is, that yeah. way. It's not <laughs> subtle. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, Yaskier wands off and wanders off and in this thicket while looking for a snack. Goodness knows what he'd be looking yes, for. Yes, it's very cute, stuff. actually. Yeah, it's an adorable <laughs> creature. Frankly, I loved it. Like, and then fucking fucking Ick has to but go and Ike. kill it. Yes, yeah, sir. Ike, freaking hell. It yeah. So uh, Yaskier sort of was like, oh, it's so cute, and then it stands up and it's quite big, and it's like, ah, no, Carol, it's one of your friends, and sort of, like, runs off. (laughs) (laughs) Geralt just says, well, again, it's the thing about Geralt indicating that Mm -hmm. it's not just a merciless killer. He's like, oh, we could just give it some food and it'll leave us alone. Like, everyone is sort of, besides Frank, is sort of cautious about it. Like, they don't, like, immediately, like, object to the idea or anything. So, like... That sort of actually like highlights not just not just Geralt but like actually Ike because he's the only one who like an absolute fucking madman just rushes and butchers the what was the monster called again I forgot Erica yeah he fucking yeah massacres. he doesn't just kill it he overkills it like he 
just goes hacks mad. it to bits in a really nasty way. Yeah, and yeah. screams out for kingdom and glory. <laughs> yeah, it's gratuitous and rather unbecoming of a knight errant one would one would hope. Yeah, though Yennefer's face here is priceless. Yeah, I suppose yeah, subhuman. Yeah, knights are assholes is about as much of a running theme in this series as sorcerers are bastards. So That's true. Um, and then, yeah, they cut to a campfire with Yen ribbing Geralt to bits and uh, <laughs> Ike, you know, proudly cooking the beast and taking a nibble of its liver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and they try to warn him that he really shouldn't eat yeah, it. Yeah, and then, never you know, has kill. massive indigestion as a result. Yeah. Well, I think that's the least yeah, of so, Yeah. Yeah, so this is where we see Boholt the Reaver being a well, showing us why people don't like the Reavers. He's sort of uh being kind of yeah, disgusting to Yennefer literally just goes like threatening to kill Geralt. I would be careful because she's plenty able to kill yeah. you herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also get a clue of the the timing of the episode yes. here because I think like, they're talking um, about ebbing. Or like fucking um, but the Arpin starts talking about talking about Fringilla. Uh, like it gives us a guard. very context powerful context clue because it's he says he mentions that uh, the northern kingdoms are at risk because the rightful heir has returned to the throne of Nilfgaard and for overthrown the usurper mm-hmm. and they've invaded Ebbing and uh, are rampaging through the south and it's a matter of time until yeah. they attack the north and it's kind of wild that no one is taking him seriously so basically after Sir Ike makes himself ill eating the Erika. That's when Yarpin starts talking about what, what's happening because he says like, "Oh, like Sarek's gonna get himself killed trying to become lord of a fiefdom that's not gonna exist in ten years." Yeah, and Geralt's just like, "Oh, kingdoms rise and fall like the tides, whatever." Um, and that's when Yarpin's like, "No, like I've seen war. This isn't this isn't the same. They are going to Nelfgaard's going to destroy everything. I've seen it ebbing. They're coming closer." Yennefer's yeah. sort of laughing it off, yeah. saying Fringilla is a joke, but like, like. Obviously, Yarpin's right. We she, know. She, sa- she says she says uh, that yeah, Fringilla's yeah. advising them, and that Nilfgaard's a joke because the immediate follow up. Yeah. Well, th- I think this speaks to because when you know in the episode when they're at the uh, the banquet and you know Calanthe and everyone's kind of mocking uh, the the empire and you know calling them piss stained and you know just mm-hmm. a complete mess. And here they're not taking them seriously. Yeah, because like in Caliphate's in Caliphate's youth, like. It was genuinely just like, you know, this my absolutely minor power, just like a tiny mm. kingdom somewhere far in the south. And now it's like a rising empire. And, it, and it's still not taken seriously mm-hmm. as a real, like, you know, military threat, which, you know, like, is just basically like a very convincing parallel for the rise of fascism at pretty much any time that it ever has happened. So, yeah. Um, one thing I think is really interesting here is when Garpin starts saying, you know, they'll be they're seeing them in Ebbing and they'll be coming soon. Next it'll be Sodden and Sintra, and Yaskir just like immediately looks like haunted at the idea that something might happen to Sintra and says, you know, Queen Calanthe will die before letting them take what's hers. So I have I have a thought, question, I guess. So Geralt's been avoiding Sintra this whole time for obvious reasons, right? Mm. But in book canon, Yaskir's been back to Sintra like a bunch of times so in show canon has Yaskir been going to Sintra and keeping an eye on things because he looks really haunted in a way that isn't just like this kid I saw honest, like, I, wait never like, met I actually. just read the expression as a, kind, as a kind of dismissive that that won't happen thing so 
To be totally honest, I think Yaskir looks a little bit haunted at all times. Like, I don't know. I thought his like facial expression looked really. Yeah, I I think Yaskir is just not having a happy time in his life right now. <laughs> this this episode especially, he looks haunted every second of this episode. <laughs> he will have been like a regular visitor in Centra in general, so that's just for work, like, um. So you know, who can say? Yeah. What I think is also interesting uh, is. Yeah. Like, actually, I, mm-hmm. interesting is the wrong word. Like, like the the fucking the, the TV series gives us another one of those obnoxious like hint hint maybe things could have gone wrong if like Yennefer had just gone to Nilfgaard, when like Borch basically explicitly says that like looking mm-hmm. at her. Yeah, uh, it's just I, I I have to say I really don't like whatever the mm-hmm. show like makes that point because I don't think it's actually as like strong an argument as they're presenting for one. Yennefer is fundamentally incredibly ambitious she has a strong will but she's ambitious and well, yeah exactly is, would be a, a driver I mean, yes that. but also to be totally honest i think like in nilfgaard the same thing would have basically happened as in the north where she just well i just find it frustrating because obviously true, in perhaps. canon nilfgaard is like so foreign to the entire no, like if you, system. if you look at like it, it, it from a book canon perspective but this entire thing is kind of nonsense but like i also yes, i mean that... just the fact that they're trying to like build this like guilt trip yeah. into her yeah history that just makes no like, sense is it's 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 annoying and also actually like like i like to think that like when borch says that it's he's not actually saying it because the tv show actually believes that yennefer could have stopped it but simply because like he's voicing yeah um, he does seem to just be kind of reading her mind rather than like mind. generally uh, yeah prophecy because like i mean if you take it at face value that i don't i simply don't think it's mm. true mm-hmm. to be honest yeah i, I agree she probably would have just gotten Either she would have actually used them towards her ambitions, or she would have gotten bored. I will say this: I think that she would have got bored, and because of that, the usurper would have never been overthrown. Unlike with Fringilla, who actively assisted Emperor Amir in overthrowing the usurper, and therefore led to the situation. Like it, Nilfgaard wouldn't have been quote unquote tempered by a stronger hand. It would have been let down by a weaker one. (laughs) Because it's only, like, as much her fault as, like, that of any number of factors. Like, like literally, you might as well go, oh, well, really, it's the usurper's fault for not being a more successful ruler. I think, well, I think there is a line worth mentioning as well. The, where Geralt's talking about um, with Borch. And he's, you know, talking about things going extinct. You know, there's a line, mutants or mythical dragons met the fate of anything too different to endure and died out. To which, you know, Borch replies, there are other ways of enduring. If it's legacy, you're after. Yes. Yes, and then there's the whole thing where he tries to, he teases him about becoming a knight. And... <laughs> so <Richard laughs> the white-haired of Rivia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so this is yeah, this is after yeah, Yen and, and the dwarves and everything leave. That's when he starts having this this talk with Borch, and that's where Geralt starts giving his dragon that's facts about green dragons are the most common, the and then there's red dragons, and that's where Borch says, and there's gold dragons, and <laughs> gold dragons don't exist. Yeah, but what I think is also really interesting is we get a bit of like Geralt's like hauntedness about being a mutant here as well. In yeah. my experience, mutations are intentional, and yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like he's referring not just to the gold dragons, but also to the, the witchers when he says, you know, they met the fate of anything too different to endure, was, they died I out. I think he's say, like, you know, got some stuff he's still processing about the sack of Kaer Morin and... 
I was going to say it like it's very much about like the death of his kind as well, if you will, and and you can see that from the fact that like Borch does respond if it's legacy you're after, and like mm-hmm. it's clearly aimed at Geralt, and it is a direct reply. So he is like visibly talking about the fact that as a Witcher he feels yeah, he doesn't yeah, have a legacy is... either. Sorry. By the way, leaving aside the sack of Kermor and even on a more part because because to be fair that would have happened when like Geralt was like probably had just completed mm-hmm. his trials knowing the chronology um but see he probably like wasn't right to witness it since he survived um like but um something worth saying is that uh, it could also just be a personal thing mm. because let's be real here as much as he later <laughs> walks in for it Geralt really wants to have children <laughs> like it's a pretty consistent just in the sense that he sort of adopts waifs and strays but i think unlike yen it doesn't i don't think them not being biological yeah. doesn't bother him the way it bothers oh, yeah, yen. Yeah. no yen yen 100 is like a slightly different case but like but like Geralt still clearly longs like well, has for like, family is that he's looking for yeah. family and and he's like clearly got like paternal instincts that he just wants <laughs> to, i know oh my gosh you know. I, it's just like I mean, I do think it is partly the fact on other things part than of it is that there can't be any more witchers because of what happened at Kermorn, so you get that in episode four. No, and But I think you're right also, is that like as much as, yeah, he makes fun of Yen, um, he's lonely and just wants a family. I mean, I think it's ultimately linked because like Geralt's experience of family is actually that witchers have family by taking in yeah. new future witchers, essentially, because... because Vesemir is like his substitute mm-hmm. and to be totally honest in a lot of ways real dad like so I think you know while he's conflicted well he doesn't like you know want to subject his child mm. surprise as mm-hmm. he later says to this life but he also but he also like you know belongs to a particular you know caste where and you now know, he can't raising new witchers I mean, is essentially like, like having years power. ago, but now he can't because yeah. of like yeah. like his biological ability to have mm-hmm. children was taken away from oh, him. Poor Geralt. And then his indirect, like you know, if you will, class-based ability to have children yeah. was taken away as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that uh, in more detail later because obviously that's a fairly important conversation coming up. But um, yeah, then we go back to Siri and quote unquote Mousak and uh, Dara starts interrogating him and. You know, Sarah's quite defensive of him. You know, why are you doing this? Why are you interrogating him? It's like, it's not just your life, Siri. It's mine too. Um, Yeah. And the Doppler sort of manifests through Doppler magic. A sash to sort of give to her to go. Oh, oh no, what? I think he actually had it. Oh, did he? Because um, oh, Mosak had it, um, had taken it to hang himself with. Oh. And then... When they kill Mausak, they take also, the sash. Um, he, Dopplers can't manifest things through their magic that um, are separate mm. from their body. Like, if he tried to, for instance, take off Mausak's quote-unquote cloak, uh, yeah. it would yeah. just dissipate. Like, because it's like trying to remove a part of your actual body. Yeah, so Dara's asking Mausak very specific questions, like, why are you here? If you're taking us to Geralt, why is Geralt not here? Geralt, the trained you know, mm. warrior freed you to come get Siri by himself or by yourself. That makes no sense. And, um, you know, when Siri gets mad at Dara for being so sort of probing, Dara says that, you know, he drank the waters of Brokolon and that means his head is mm. clear and that what the Dryad yeah, said to them point. was that they have to ask the right questions and that's what he's trying to do. 
but then, yeah, Mosak distracts Siri with Calanthe's, Calanthe's sash, and obviously with, you know, all the trauma Siri's been through, seeing something that belongs to her grandmother, that's then, it. Question's it's gone. very creepy, by the way. Oh, it's so creepy. It's Oh, it's yeah, he sniffs her hair. Yeah, but he says oh, children are his favorite. So gross. Uh, yeah, they are almost definitely a pederast, aren't they? Uh. Oh, no. It's, it's yeah. extremely yikes. Yeah. So, okay, uh, yeah, wow. The, uh, they were back with her old yeah. girl, Ugh. thankfully. Do not like him. <laughs> and um, the Sarike's gone missing. <laughs> so they go off to find him uh, with his throat slit, um, shall we say, in flagrante delicto. <laughs> <laughs> Well, more like mid bowel movement than mid. Uh... <laughs> and Yaskier has a brilliant line. <laughs> yes, yes. Who slits a man's throat while he's relieving his bowels is nothing sacred anymore. And the way he's got just his hand on his hip and his hand up to yeah. his face is just like his <laughs> whole posture so while he's saying this is oh, so perfect. I love Yaskier. <laughs> and so yeah, they've clearly figured out um, there are unsalubrious, shall we say, uh, people in the crowd. And Yarpin uh, suggests, "All right, there's a there's a shortcut for that us dwarves use. You should come along with us. Um, let's go and beat them to it, etc., etc." So clearly, you know the the reavers are the bad yins here. Mm hmm. And uh, so when Yarpin suggests this, Geralt tells Yaskier to go on ahead, and he'll catch up. And mm -hmm. Yaskier kind of gives him a bit of a death glare. Yeah, because Geralt is literally doing this just because he's great. fucking in love with Yennefer, and like is putting Yaskier in danger consistently because of it throughout this story. So, and so yeah, we get another um, very intense discussion yep. about parenthood between Yen and Geralt, who clearly wants bits of the dragon to regrow Which her womb. Geralt mocks her for. Implies, implies that she would be a bad mother as well. Uh, yes. It's, he's, yeah. he's not great here, I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's a pretty it's vicious really argument. patronizing, yeah. actually. I mean, also, to be totally fair, Yen may not, I, I would gently suggest that Yen may, may not be in exactly the right mindset to be a mother <laughs> right now. He's not completely off track saying yeah. she wouldn't be, be a fair, great though, mother at the moment. Well, yes, but that's not what it's about. Yes. Out, and she makes it very yeah, clear yeah. that like they took oh, my yeah. choice i want it back so he's making fun of her for like oh what are you gonna do like uh summon chaos on king's orders Not between you'd like feedings and naps and like that's when she snaps back at him they took my choice and i want it back it's not necessarily yeah not that you'd understand not that you'd understand is also cruel by the way because like that's just factually untrue he is one of the very few people who would understand yeah, like, he's clearly thought long and hard about it in fact he says he's thought about it a lot and yeah, that the yeah, life they that they have just isn't suitable reasons, for children yeah. and that's one of the reasons that the people who make them made them infertile as far as he's concerned yeah i'd rather use my child's yeah. surprise as a brooks abate and one of the kinder ones is yeah. this yeah that like this is our life. Yeah. That's subjected to this life, yeah. yeah. At which point, Yen just rounds on him, because apparently he's never yeah, told her about the child's surprise, even though apparently they've been off and on for six years. Honestly, fair on Yen's part years. to flip out at him at this, because he's been patronizing her for the last five minutes, and now he, like, suddenly tells her that, she, that he's got a child's like, surprise. And he has not told her about it, even though they've been off and on together for mm, the last yeah, six years. Yeah, every time I'm with you, I say more in five minutes than I've said in weeks. I always regret it. And somehow still, despite yeah. that, managed to not say that in, like, five years. But regardless of this fight, Yen wants the dragon, so she agrees to go on the shortcut with them. 
though they have this sort of she's still saying you know i don't need i don't need your shortcut i can take care of myself don't always have to i know i love i love a dysfunctional but ultimately fated relationship i can't (laughs) i love them so much (laughs) (laughs) they are Uh, i mean we we are gonna have to at some point talk about how they haven't really given them as much build up as they should have yeah yeah 100 percent. they get in the books but yeah Mm. I think as well um, is when he says, Geralt says, come with me. He didn't oh, say come yes, with us. Oh, yes, it is. Come with me. Mm. And she does agree, so. Mm. Yeah, and off they trot. Yes. And then back with Ciri and the denouement of the Doppler yes. discovery. And uh, yeah, she trips him up. Um, um, uh, not literally speaking, but um, by working out that he's not who he seems it is. He says, we killed Mosak and took his disgusting form. So they've got, um, yeah, they, they have a bit of a scrap and they discover that, um, well, she uses silver on him and it hurts him. And he turns into the Night King. <laughs> he kind of does, yeah. Yeah, it's like they re- re- recycle HBO's effects. And... <laughs> yeah. And, Jesus, and, you're uh, right. So she does, she does get away and um, runs into the forest, as does, I think, da- uh, Dara does yeah, as well. Yeah, so I think there's something that's important here, again, just for characterization of Siri. Is so basically Dara attacks the Doppler with his silver knife, um, and then Siri um, is um, just yeah, says like, "Oh, well, kill him." And Dara is just shocked that she's just willing to just be like, "Kill this thing." And then when he's like, "No," she like tries to take the knife and do the job herself. Yeah. Yeah, and she is. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's really Calanthe's granddaughter. Like she's got some moves. Like she fails because she takes the the knife away yeah. from his throat, so it's able to to move. But like she, she's a she's a scary. Yeah, she girl. is fast and stabby. Like she seems to know what she's doing with that knife. Like she is very clearly Calanthe's granddaughter. Yeah. I mean, I think it's said in Canada that like in Skellige they literally like trained her to fight because in Skellige they train women and men equally. Yeah, I think they so... said she was trained to fight with a spear in the books. So yeah, yeah. So um, and but yeah, then she, she runs off. They run away. Yeah. And so then we're back with the dwarves, and it's that scene from The Hobbit. It is that scene from The Hobbit. <laughs> it is literally when they like climb out on the cliff above Rivendell. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, like, um, I really love Yarpin's so line here, where it goes, "It can get windy, like, uh, like, so, sorry, it can, be, it, it can get a bit <laughs> rocky when it gets windy," which. I it have is. something in my notes that I don't know if was a line from the show or is my snarky note, but just says this is a shortcut to death. <laughs> is that a line? Oh, I took that note as well. That that is that is a line. Yeah, that is a line. Just yeah, says that. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the route's clearly designed for dwarves, um, and that's why you know it's it's that bit from the mm-hmm. Hobbit. Um, and as they're going across, they they get into trouble, not because the mountains are fighting, but because um, bridge collapses. Mm-hmm. And poor old Geralt has is holding Borch up, who just asks him to let him go. So you'll save us yet. By the First way, you must let go. I, I I had a thought and... about this line when I was watching just now, and I mean obviously in this case it's meant literally because then like you know Geralt lets go and Borch falls, but we know later that he survived by turning into a dragon, etc., etc. Um, like, but. Also, yes. um, it us, can be as in the species, us, a more as in him grand and... scale yeah. regarding. Frankly, I'll fire further regarding the entire You're going to save the picture to let go of your because, like, yeah, like because because <laughs> oh, because, yeah, because yeah, it's right. it's very much you need to let go of your bullshit, mm. find your child's surprise, and protect her. That's how you yeah. will save us all 
and we do mean all in this case who yeah, don't want to live under Nilfgaardian that, like, domination just, forever. Just for, like how Geralt ends up feeling about this later is that he'd been like asking them to turn back before they went out on the the bridge. He's just like, no, we, we shouldn't. You know, we should turn back. We should just go back the other way. And then and it's, um, the whole as well, breaks. It's, it's not Geralt letting go of him, but it's the, it's him letting go of Geralt. Yeah, Borch and Taya and Vea just let go because Geralt's refusing yeah. to let go. And I think that's actually also, if we want to do the really sort of large arc meaning of letting go, Geralt's refusal to let go would have killed all of them because he's trying to hold yes. four people's weight yeah, on that part weight of the bridge. the bridge. That would have been the death of Yen and the dwarves and Yaskir. Well, not the dwarves. Oh, yeah. The dwarves are further ahead. That would have been the yeah. death of Yen and Yaskir because they were still right beside well, him. Well, yeah, yeah. probably yeah. have portals. I suppose them, I she can do a pretty mean portal. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, in just as an aside, in the games, that's not really a thing they can do. Portals can only really take like one or two people at a time, mm. and yet in the show, Yen is shown sort of you know portaling several people um consistently they're a bit fast this is interesting because like like to be totally honest in the books i don't think it's like explicitly stated how many people you can portal but i'm guessing there must be a fucking limit because like you know otherwise people would just be portaling armies natural talent of jen's (laughs) that's true that's why there's the flower and the um the bit with Estred and all mm-hmm. that, and why it's kind of significant that she can do the portal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, to be fair, like it's established that Yen is uniquely, yeah. uniquely talented. Um, but so, yeah. yeah, our our poor Borch and the twins fall into the clouds, and then we cut to Geralt looking. I describe him as looking pensive. Yes. On the cliffside. Yes, staring off into the distance. Yeah, you did your best, and oh, yes, yes, here comes trying to comfort him. Uh, yeah, you did your best. Why don't we leave tomorrow? Um, that's if you'll give me another chance to prove myself a worthy travel companion. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. Um, and then the hint we could head to the coast. And then I know for that's for book readers for us to think about their like wild, ridiculous coast vacation story. Oh, that's one of the better ones. Vacation <laughs> story. I don't like. Uh, yeah, I don't like the way that story ends, but it's a it's a good story. Mm. It's, it's a good story. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Little Mermaid, and it's kind of sweet, but. It, <laughs> Yeah, so back to, yeah, so, sorry, back to guess you're trying to comfort Geralt, while also maybe being, taking a bit of a dig at him for how he's been treating him. And, like, you know, indeed, like, you know, he then makes that great line about, like, how... Life is too um, short, do what pleases you while you can. And Geralt is like, are you trying to write a new song? And he looks at Geralt longingly and says, I'm just trying to work out what pleases me. (laughs) Fucking fucking Geralt. Just, like... (laughs) poets like it's it's at an acceptable level of just like dickishness towards yaskir like on a completely like unreasonable level <laughs> yeah because then it cuts to Geralt going to see yennefer in her tardis tent <laughs> can i by the way just observe that like leaving aside even even like you know the fact that yaskir is feeling like shit the fact that like Geralt now just goes and like fucks is like oh, almost yeah. a little bit unkind to Borch well, no, and his I mean, like you know bo- bodyguards. Normal response to death. I mean, okay, we're in Corona teen right now, right? So um, this is like a whole thing people have been noticing, right? Is quarantine thirst? It's oh like yeah, the Twitter thing. timeline is a yeah. This is a mess. very human response yeah. to like death and disaster and tragedy and fear. Yeah, I mean, to just. Fair. I suppose evolution are really it makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just lost Not to put too fine oh, a point well, on the it, logical but... next step. Yep. Yeah. What was the baby? Exactly. Doing? Post-war, yeah. everything was horrible, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you do get the, the quite sweet um, dialogue. You know, is this not what you came for? 
Like, I, I was afraid the mountain you. would take you from me. Uh, and, and so they, they make up because they had this moment where they thought they might lose each other. And yeah. And oh, we got a few notes of her sweet kiss in the background, actually. Yeah. And, and the it's, lighting it's is one... so soft. So like throughout the rest of this episode, because it's been an outdoor set, the lighting's been like really harsh because it's like midday lighting in like Grand Canaria. Um, but then we get into the tent and it's this really soft focus, sort of romantic lighting and like these really close ups of their face. Yes, it's it's again it's consistent with the sex scenes and the show being really quite tastefully and tactfully done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of feel human. Yeah, because we just get the the montage of um, you know they they they're, they're talking about this is the this is the only place actually that we get um, the history of their relationship relationship in the show because what they're sort of talking about is um, like after the the, the line of um, you know um, I was afraid the mountain would take you from me only my nonsense I quite like your nonsense he sort of smells her perfume and says that's the moment he dreads most every time she leaves is when you know her scent fades and he knows she's really gone yeah, when you're really and, gone and um, then we get like a montage showing they've clearly been off and on for years this montage of them sort of having sex and waking up alone and leaving each other over and over again mm. well in the um it's it's not a spoiler at all, but in Witcher 3, Lilac and Gooseberries is a huge consistent point of reference mm-hmm. that's made. Um, and it's in Priscilla's song mm-hmm. as well. It's, and it's it comes from the point. books. Like uh, yeah. It's constantly mm-hmm. mentioned it's as like, Yennefer's um, like, characteristic and scent. And to be fair, actually, it's kind of, it is quite a sweet, true-to-life sort of thing. So you know, one of the things you notice in the morning if you have been with someone and they leave the morning after is, is yeah, the smell Yeah, you can still sort of sell their shampoo like, on your pillowcase. And yeah, you can... yeah. Yeah, for a couple of days after, you mm-hmm. can still smell it. And, I mean, he's um, got better sense of smell than... Yeah, he has a high sense person. of smell. <laughs> That's true. So for him, it would be like, you know, he's... <laughs> yeah, he's right in there. Uh... Yeah, so yeah, we see sort of the, the, the montage of their on-again, off-again relationship, and she sort of admits, basically, that she's been leaving every time because he left first in Rind after that sort of frantic um time together when she woke up he was gone which by the way yeah like um, give me Geralt's like initial leaving yeah oh I'm, I'm mad about that so we'll talk about that when we get to it for sure then they sort of have some dialogue about you know him leaving and then of course the morning after they wake up and she turns around and he's still yes. there which yeah. yeah and she smiles um, and he smiles and they look so happy <sighs> I absolutely melt for like Geralt yeah. and Yen getting oh. to be happy for like the minutes at a time that mm. they do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they get another really nice conversation where you know they say they say witchers can't feel emotion. They say whatever justifies the which, by the way, is time. actually yeah. just one of the nicer like outright dismissals of that anywhere in the Witcher series. Because like the the weird thing is, there's like although like we know it's bullshit, but like in in the books it's generally like mm-hmm. never explicitly mm-hmm. denied in fact, in the books, by he's Geralt. partly a little brainwashed into thinking it's true because he's traumatized and everyone keeps I think it's partly that case. also partly that like in the books he genuinely like sometimes uses that as like a convenient excuse for things like as in like 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 to to justify not talking about his feelings he pretends that he doesn't have any which by the way Geralt, like nobody's buying yeah that. just there is so like you, there like... are illusions in the game or it's hinted at in the game that maybe you know Geralt is like a superficially but sorry uh, a more mutated witcher like that's why he has white hair is because he's a super like kind of a super witcher and that might be an explanation why he has feelings 
but in the games and stuff like that, certainly the other witchers have. Feelings. Like, like in the so books, explicitly, it's, it, it is yeah. it is made explicit that it's a lie. Like, um, uh, everyone there has feelings, mm-hmm. but like, it's just nonsense from the monster. But uh, mm-hmm. like, like it's it's correct that like the girl like you know has like also some mutations that like are unique, like his hair. But but that that's more like mm, yeah. like accidental side effects. But the emotions thing is bullshit. That that we do know that like it's not true. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting it's... that like in virtually most other Witcher media, Geralt never explicitly denies it, and, and frequently sometimes, even sometimes hides it behind as an oh, excuse to sort of be bitter and angry. Just whenever someone sort of pisses him off, he can be like, "Oh well, it doesn't matter because I don't have any feelings yeah, exactly. anyway." And also, like as I say, like it's a convenient way to avoid talking about things. Like, like every time you know one of his friends is mm. just like Geralt, would you like to talk about how you feel? Yeah. Like, I have no feelings. <laughs> like rather a teenage. He said angrily yeah. and upset. <laughs> uh, oh. he, he literally never finished this puber- puberty. Like that's what's. Oh, happened. that's true. Like, they yeah. get out just of it, like oh gosh, can you imagine being stuck with the like ugh, adolescent feelings your whole life? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, oh the brain no, that would ugh. be disturbing. Like man. Um. So. <laughs> So we get some more really nice dialogue, you know, between them about motherhood, where Geralt's like, did you always want to be a mother? To which her response is, I dreamed of becoming important to someone. So, you know, the, he says, oh, the, the days are calm and the nights were restless. It's actually wonderful dialogue, and I and, love um, it. Like, it's great. And she teases him a little about, you know, like, what, you know, do you regret being a witcher? Was there anything else you would have been? He says, you know, I didn't really have a choice. And so she admits she didn't really have a choice of being a mage either. So we see sort of they're the same she's not you know she, this is you know her telling him that she's not one of the girls who gets sent to the school she was basically kidnapped into it yeah. just like he was yeah she's not from money mm-hmm. she's not particularly powerful before she's just a poor lass who well she's basically bought as a slave so i mean yeah she literally kind of was yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah for less than a pig um so after this lovely touching heartwarming scene <laughs> After they have this lovely conversation, they kind of wake up and go outside and Geralt has assumed this means Yen's giving up on the dragon and that they can leave. And he's like, oh, we can get back to the inn. We can get back to the inn before dark oh, yeah, if we course. leave right now. And Yen's like, no, I came here for a reason. So like he thought like all this emotions chat meant she was like over yes. it. And oh, damn it, Yen. Together. And uh, she's just like, no, I'm here to kill the dragon. And we're so close to the peak. And then they start arguing about it. And when they're arguing, you can actually see Yaskir asleep on the ground just below them, cuddling his loot. And, and uh, they start, uh, they realize the dwarves are gone. And Yen starts, just takes off at a tear up the mountain. And Geralt kind of grabs the sword and follows her. And they leave Yaskir sleeping in the dirt by himself. <laughs> oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. And then, then it cuts to... <laughs> I just I just remember that bit because you can see Yaskir sleeping in the dirt and they don't even wake him up. <laughs> oh, our poor boy. Yeah, so uh, Siri is captured by Kahir and then we get the, the Kahir and Doppler. Because yeah. Siri is actually the Doppler in this case. Uh, yes. So he's captured the person who was supposed to capture the... Uh, Doppler immediately, like, you know flips out at him and says, why didn't you tell me, mm-hmm. like, who she was, etc, etc, and, uh... Do you really believe all this nonsense in your head, this prophecy? By the way, th- this is the thing, right? Like, those are two contradictory lines, because you can't, like, 
sorry Doppler, but you can't simultaneously like not believe well, in like well, without spoiling, whatever it is that Kahir believes in and that um, it was sorry. a threat to you. <laughs> Max. Like um, Because otherwise how are you how are you otherwise how are you meant to read this? As, yeah, actually, I think that's a good why idea. didn't you why yeah, didn't you I'm tell me to. she can wield silver knives? Yeah. There's 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 the cool line in this scene as well where you know Doppler thinks we yes. think you're insane. <laughs> And um, all that kind of thing. Yeah. By the way, and they, they have the scrap. Just while we're at it, um, how does. Oh, wait, sorry. I was about to ask yeah. how does the yeah. Doppler actually know so, all yeah. the fact, stuff? He wasn't there, like, he just angry into, he about just takes it until all he became Kahir, and then all that... of a sudden was like, oh, you're not just like paying me to kidnap some kid. There is some crazy shit in your head that he I, just got access which, to. Which, by the way, makes it a much more interesting scene, in my view, because, like, you're actually then faced with a situation where, like, it, it, it wasn't that the Doppler was angry to begin with and, like, sought out Kahir, but he actually sought out Kahir after having, later as we find out, tied Siri to a tree, like, because he wanted to understand what the hell is going <laughs> on, like, why... Why Which is, is the this opposite so of what happens with him, like, another he basically, character. Basically, <laughs> he basically pulled off an extremely successful spy, spying operation. The fact that he sort of transformed into Siri and left her there, because I really don't know if that was yeah. at first to go find out what was going on with Kahir, or if like he wanted to Siri to be his new body, and then when he transformed into her, he realized, oh god, she's a princess, and there's no, all this I, stuff I going think, on. I Maybe I should go figure it out. Honest, he was just trying to try to figure out what the hell is going on because he did know that he was hunting a princess mm, that's that true. thing he knew like i think he just like after that initial encounter and possibly actually when he saw that like she was pretty willing for a child to just go kill him uh, he was probably quite interested in finding out exactly what the hell is going on from kahir and i think like the scene is literally just like he mm-hmm. deliberately set himself up in such a way as to mm-hmm. as to seek a hero mm-hmm. yeah, to seek fair. their yeah. information. I think it is um, this, really well done to in such a really sense. short period of time give us Kahir's motivations, something of an understanding of why Siri is so important to them, and that there's this prophecy. That's, that's quite a lot of uh, detail to get out of a very very short scene. Yeah, really efficient writing. Right. So yeah, the the you know the Doppler runs off into the wilderness, and then suddenly we're back with. Yen sprinting past the dwarves and freezing them with a spell and um, suddenly arriving at the cave um, with what looks first like a sleepy green dragon and an egg um, so she's she thinks to herself she's found everything she wants for the Zuricanians appear and Geralt intervenes mm-hmm. what is wild is that Yen is like pulling out a sword and ready to fight Taya and Vea even though they are Zuricanians and then before Carol turns up and intervenes. Yes. Um, but it, uh, so yeah, Carol turns up and, you know, basically tries to, to, to stop them from fighting. Um, and then they realize the dragon is dead. Um, I think Yen actually says he's dead. And then the Zeracanians yeah, uh, yeah. correct, correct her and say she's dead. Um, and then Borch turns up. <laughs> <laughs> not as we know him in quite a different shape <laughs> so can either of yes. you pronounce his actual name because i Villain certainly can't there you go <laughs> yeah because it's, it's referred to in the games a lot yeah 
there's another dragon in the games as well who has an equally indescribable uh, unpronounceable name uh, <laughs> but spoilers to say so i won't it's a synthesis yes <laughs> uh, it's practically parcel tongue Ah. Oh, is that the baby dragon? The thing is, the thing is, logically it can't be, but like, her. but the games sort of forget most of canon, so it is. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, I completely forgotten about that. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, that's like, like yeah. logically speaking, it can't be because Mirkta Brake, the green dragon, did not actually mate with Borch. Like the the baby dragon. In this in this episode and in the short story that it was based on, um, is not. I suppose his you could be talking child. about it um, in the sense uh, of, you know, an adopted father. Yeah, uh, but the thing is though, like the uh, synthesis right. in the games is a golden dragon. Yeah, like basically, yeah, so it, it's a it plot would, hole. It doesn't really <laughs> make sense unless there is another golden dragon who we just never yeah. encounter. It's just because like the story writing team of the games writes a really good game. <laughs> But they also forgot virtually everything that happens <laughs> in the books. I don't think they actually like look them up to check. I think they both they're kind of like the, the Hannibal of Carthage of writers. Insofar <laughs> as they're very good at quest writing, like Hannibal was very good at battles, but they're not very good at the war, which is they're not very good at the overall story. Yeah, yeah, that is actually sort of accurate. So when Gen realizes that the, the, the green dragon died protecting her baby, she goes very soft and sort of like the grip on her knife mm. loosens and she's no longer sort of invested. Yes. In, yeah, she's not hostile anymore. And Borch says, um, you know, it, you're a knight and... who is trained to save dragons, not kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. then the Reavers turn up. And they discover that Yen is a spell um, sword. <laughs> yes. I have a headcanon for this because, like, the first time I watched this, I was like, she's not using any magic. In fact, she waits for Geralt to use his magic and she's fighting with a sword. So I have a headcanon for this, mm -hmm. if you'll indulge me. My headcanon for this, the only way I can be like, this makes any sense at all, is that um, she was, like, magically pretty useless defending Callus. She got so exhausted so quickly. So I think she picked up a sword after that. That's my head. I think also it might be the case that they're high up a mountain. There might just not be any water underneath her to draw from. That is a good also, point, to actually. be honest, it's like not actually... Yeah, you're right. Like, There'd be no springs or anything. Um, it's an arid environment, yeah. too. I mean, like, in book canon, it's never, like, explicitly stated that wizards disdain actual sword fighting if it's, like... You know, well, we know at least compensate, like to, we know at least one on sorcerer magic. is capable of besting a witcher in a close combat. Oh, um, yes. We won't yes. go like, any further so, into that, but we know, know it's I mean, like, there's, yes. no, there's no reason why yeah. why Yen shouldn't really be able to. Well, when you live forever, you might as well learn yeah. anything you want to. Right? I mean, especially, I like his... especially when you spend so much of your time, like essentially functionally unemployed, because <laughs> yes, they're they're the ultimate freelancers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's the bit which she the asks him as well to use his fantastic, and, the um, and they do a very I, good I, I, I love it. I don't care how cheesy it is. I love it so much. And so on. You're stupid <laughs> and wrong. <laughs> it's it's very uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, it is very Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but you know what? I loved Mr. and Mrs. Smith, even I, though you're yeah. not really supposed to. It's like, <laughs> I have not actually really watched that film, it's, but also like the, 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 there's so much sexual tension in that film. You can like it comes out of the screen. You... 
to get to the point. It's like the art kiss is great, and everyone who criticizes this, criticizes it is wrong. It's cheesy, like it. Well, I mean, the I right think that goes way. to some of the larger discussion about the show and about how it is fun and good to watch a fantasy show that is a bit schlocky and cheesy sometimes because like we don't need everything to be dark yeah. and serious and realistic yeah. sometimes yeah. things can and, just be sweet you know, like, and romantic a lot of ordinary of the witcher like when it does happen because to be totally honest like i don't think like i don't think it's an especially like corny show to begin with but like um when it does happen things like this you know what it's nice. The thing is, it's not as ashamed of its fantasy roots as Game of Thrones is. It kind of indulges them and it enjoys them. Because there's a it's sense It's willing of Game of Thrones... to be yeah. high fantasy in a way that Game of Thrones mm. yeah. is not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's not just traditional western high fantasy. It's like, you know, it's based a lot more on Slavic football, as we've gone on in loads of detail in the past. But I think that's one of the reasons it feels maybe it can be more comfortable being high fantasy, because yeah. it's unusual to a western audience in a lot of it's it not orcs and yes yeah it's a little different yeah like i like the bit um, in the scene as well with the drive where um borch just says no and just it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah it's like it's not like it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen like his his he was he had <laughs> literally lost his ability to walk. The correct thing to do is to try to slither out of the cave and away from the dragon. So that just leaves us with the the Yen and Geralt fighting Boholt scene, which um, <laughs> I thought this is okay. Did anyone else think this is a little bit weird? Well, the, like Geralt's thing, um, like, super um... strength seems to be pretty variable. Like sometimes he can just pick up a Sylvan and hack him across an entire field, and sometimes he's like. Just he's not like super strong. He's just super fast. So I guess like you know, if you're like surrounded by a bunch of enemies, then there's only so far that like you know faster reaction speed can get you. If that makes sense. Like, um, and conversely, for that matter, I guess like you know if you're if you're actually fighting one enemy rather than a bunch of like you know rather than a bunch of moderately competent ones, you're fighting just one quite competent one then actually speed might not be as much of an advantage as it could otherwise be if you're just getting after that with a sword. Yeah. Like, Either I mean, way, I can forgive any inconsistency I mean, like, you know, in shit happens. Geralt's swordsmanship because the it gives us this great visual mistakes. of Yen just, like, yeah. knifing him in the throat, so... I mean, she did say, old's mine when she... Oh, that's true, fight. yeah. It's true. Plus, I mean, we did have it set up from the beginning that Yen was going to kill Boholt, and she gets to. <laughs> so he's just up. going out of the way to, like, Fight less competently so she right. can help him. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, Yen, help me. Maybe Geralt is being really sweet and leaving Boholt for her. Geralt's actually feminist. That's like a cat and I. I mean, part of it is me. also ah. just that, like, for a TV series, they needed to make it a little bit more interesting. Because if I remember correctly, how it actually happened to the, okay, the, in the corresponding short story was that Geralt drew his sword, and then, like, five seconds later, Boholt was in no place to, like, do any more harm to anyone else. So. Right, so, um, we, we cut back to poor Jaskier. Everyone's gone and he's on his own, just having his loot. <laughs> yeah, 
Gaskier wakes up and goes, Oh, He's oh where's everyone? He bolts away. <laughs> and, um... and he calls out for Geralt first when he wakes Poor up. Boy. And the dwarves are still partially frozen, dragging their bits and pieces forward. And um, they finally all arrive there. And the porch, you know, pays them in dragon teeth to just ask no questions. Um, accept this. And if he doesn't accept it, <laughs> you'll find a dragon corpse dropped <laughs> on his throne. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We get some great physical acting from from Joey Beatty, just his like when he's like, "Bloody hell, what the fuck are you doing here?" When he sees Borch and the way he just like his face, oh yeah, just, like, and the way he like spins around and like he just like it's really great physical acting, just in his face and the way he spins around and looks mm. very shocked <laughs> for obvious reasons. I mean, someone's just come back from yes, the dead, indeed. so well, of course he wouldn't have known that villain Triton Mirth was nope. Borch. Um, <laughs> No, he didn't even see the gold dragon. He just sees Borscht standing yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, like he literally doesn't like the the dwarves and and Yaskir don't really fully understand the situation. Well, the well, is usually the exposition machine. In this case, he is the one who sort of knows the least about what's going he on. He didn't even know dragons were. Yeah, I do love Yarpin's. Yarpin's <laughs> I do love Yarpin's fucking reaction when he arrives, uh, which is just ah. Oh, Fuck's sake, we missed a whole load of fun. I like, actually think that's really interesting, though, Megs, what you're saying about usually he's the exposition machine. He, at the kind of campfire scene, was like basically like, didn't hmm. even know dragons existed. He was like, oh, we're after a dragon now, which I guess <laughs> those are a thing. Yeah. Like, like he's just like, this, yeah. he's completely out of his depth this whole dumb. episode. Yeah, then it's a very short little efficient scene. And then we're back with um, Cirilla mm-hmm. tied to a tree getting freed by Dara. And when they part ways... Yeah, Dara is furious mm. with her here. Um, basically, she's put them in danger because she tried to kill the Doppler instead of letting him deal with it. Um, you know, he just yells at her like, you know, you say you're so special. What you really mean is you're just like Calanthe and you bring terror and death wherever you are. Yeah. Um, and Ciri's just, she's all just done with being told it's like, I'm doing this. the best I can. And just like, you know, I'm... I'm done apologizing. I need Can to. I observe, by the way, this is like an interesting scene in the sense that it's a, actually a sort of parallel of the scene that Geralt and Yaskir later have, where Geralt blames Yaskir somewhat unreasonably for everything mm. that ever happens to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's true. Um, Though Siri is more directly responsible for some of the bad stuff that's I mean, happened to Tara. <laughs> kind, kind of, yes, but like also like just by by association, if you will, because like you know she didn't like none of her like you know. It's not an it's it's not a twelve year old child's fault that that she's being chased by like the most violent empire. Yeah, no, I think he's just mad because like... they were safe in Brokolon and the Dryads were going to keep them, and she like insisted that they had to go with Mausak. Wouldn't listen to him about asking yeah, questions. No, like you know, yeah. there are there are mistakes yeah. being she's made, 12. but like it's still yeah. sort of unreasonable to like blame a child. Especially we don't know how old Dara is. Like yeah. he's a child, but he's an elf child. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and a bit like to be fair, like as I say, like the parallel, you know, is is still kind of mm-hmm. there because it's, yeah. it is about like and a kind of pretty broken here. Huh. Yes, then we're back with well, the first, well, the second parting of ways in the episode, and Geralt and Yen having another realization and bitter argument, and Geralt revealing his wish. Well, it begins. It begins with like with with Borch unhelpfully yeah. pointing it out. Yeah, so it starts with the Borch sort of talking about the baby dragon that they don't show in the show, unfortunately. You know, his mm. final first to a yeah. child, the legacy it's that must endure, there's no other reason to go hurt. on, which, like, come yeah. on, Borch, just rub it in, why don't you? 
<laughs> yes. Um, no, no, not even just yet. He begins with yeah. he begins with like going. I can see why like, Geralt didn't um, want to lose you. Yeah, he literally creates the situation why Geralt has to explain. He's reading their mind and <laughs> manipulating the situation and being a dick. Like, it's actually really arseholy because, like, let me be real here, Bort, you did not have to say that. Like, yeah, as a wise old you could have stayed quiet. The big picture. I think he thinks this is necessary to get Geralt to deal with his shit and go get Siri, I, though, which but, is yeah. his overriding Yes, but um, fuck you, Borch. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? We got to see Geralt and Yen happy for five <laughs> <Literally>. fucking minutes. <laughs> they basically yeah. committed to each other two hours ago, yeah. and you so, fuck it up. Uh, like... Uh, book Yen, who knows about the wish and is fairly happy with it. Uh, this version of Yen didn't know until Borch basically forces Geralt to tell her that the wish bound them together. Um, and so Yen is angry because she thinks that what she feels and why they keep finding each other over and over again isn't because of anything real it's just magic and she is furious Mm. um she said thinks that uh you know disregard for others freedom has become quite your trademark and we all know how yen feels about freedom and choice um and yaskir's just sort of sitting there watching this all happen and rising lines here you know that you didn't want to lose her Geralt. you will and uh, you wanted to show me what you're missing. There she goes. Yeah. Because of you, Bort. It's your <laughs> fault. Oh, and this is where they argue about the child's surprise again as well. Because, you know, Geralt's like, so she says, you know, um, disregard for others, freedom has become quite your trademark. And he says, and what about you? You flit around like a tornado causing chaos. All for what? A baby? A child's no way to boost your fragile ego, Yen. Like, oof, rough. And then that's when she retorts back, I'll take advice from you about children as soon as you take responsibility for the one you bound to you and then abandoned. Yeah. 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 Like, they don't come across at their best, Mm. this argument, as people. But also, to be fair, like, okay, valid situation to argue over. What sort of reveals what you were saying, Erin, about why Borch is doing it, you know, is when he says the line, what you're missing is your destiny, you know it, I I know it. Like, I think that's kind of what it I'm really hoping that this. it wasn't, I mean, I, yes, he's the wise old dragon and he can see the big picture and that's why he's doing it. But I also hope he really means what we he object- says about saving them a lot of hurt later with a little pain like, now. We objectively um, know they will get back together. That because them having this fight okay, means they'll um, get over their shit. The, the, like, hmm. this, this, is, this is definitely spoiler area. But they do in the well, books, and the fans would riot the like, show only fans if are they did it. The so thing if they don't get back together, which we know they do, um, you would not believe. <laughs> mm. Yeah, even my dad was like, "Oh, <laughs> like, you would not believe the number of people who have not read the books and are not engaging with the future stuff, but are so into Geralt and Yaskier that they're like." Like, I will ride if Yaskir's not back in season two. I'm going to lose my shit. What if he takes forever to apologize to him and he's, like, uh, old because he's human? Because, yeah, no, I mean, they don't know that it's not going to keep like, time skipping by 30 years at a fair, time. Fair, but, like, because the that's three what the of us all so know far. that, like, first of all, everyone will mend their relationships just because they do. And mm. there, there, there yeah. will be an actual riot if, like, people, <laughs> if, if, if both, if Geralt doesn't fix his 
relationships with both Yennefer and, and Yasser. <laughs> like, they can't change the plot mm. in that regard, because they would immediately, like, the viewership would drop to zero. I do have to say, though, as much as I am very sympathetic to Yaskir, and a lot of this episode has been about Yaskir feeling neglected and kind of what... um, unwanted, he is kind of being a bit of an asshole here. He does just sort of, like, like he's watched... Geralt and Yen, he's sitting there, and we cut to him watching Geralt and Yen having this argument, and it's like this clear yeah. like, life-altering breakup. He's furious, Yen's crying, and then he just walks up to Geralt and is like, oh, well, what a day, I imagine you're... But also, and, like, that's like, what it doesn't look happy at him, but, like, <laughs> that's like, he just, like, walks up to him just like, oh, well, what a day, and it's like... We know you hate yeah. Yen, but like I, I get you what you're saying, but I do think, seriously. like, to be fair to Yasker, he just genuinely doesn't know how to handle it best and is trying to help. Uh, I mean, we've all we've all seen our friends split up with a partner that we don't like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. like yeah, and, and I mean, like even though like leaving that aside, mm-hmm. like I don't think he's necessarily like immediately being totally unhelpful because like. That's true. I'm being really, I, I don't know, like, like you know, <laughs> some people respond well after a breakup to, like, you know, taking their feelings seriously, but also not like you know, immediate, immediately like. I I don't know. I just think that the asker doesn't really know how to respond to the situation, like, um, like, and also like to be totally fair, like asker is like really not in the best mindset and like has visibly not been for the entire yeah, episode enough. and. Like, 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 Geralt, so, Geralt's reaction I, is definitely excessive beyond any reason. Yeah, and so, uh, like, Geralt has noticed even a tiny like, bit like, like, I actually like, think that it's very, like, stressed. nice how, like, Yaskir actually yeah. tries to interrupt him by going, like, well, that's not very fair after the shit shoveling line. Yeah, they went to the final scene. After the, oh, yeah, where they, they part ways. Yeah, the, so, yeah, he, he says that's not fair while Geralt sort of after the the line about mm. when I find myself in a pile of shit these days, it's you shoveling it, and you know if life could give me one blessing, it'd be to take you off my hands. Yeah. He just sort of looks broken and says, you know, right then I'll go get the story from the Big others. Heart. See you around, Geralt. Oh, yeah. And we just get that last sort of shot of Geralt staring off into the distance. Happy sword, sad Geralt. Happy sword, sad Geralt. <laughs> happy sword that is made by Renfrey Sprout. Super excited sword, frankly. Like that. <laughs> oh, it just kills me. Renfrey's freaking brooch is what makes yeah. the sword look like nope. it's so happy and excited. Oh, yeah. gosh. So confused oh. getting patched together. Yeah. Surrounded by corpses by Fringilla. You know, a simple test of silver would have sufficed. And he comes, you know, a very yes. badass liner toward I heard steel to hand. Yeah. Because Kahir and uh, Fringilla talk about their motivations, or rather Kahir's motivations, um. Um, in, well, this entire fucking campaign, you know. And and I think, like, uh, how she says, like, you like, fr- from, like, the things she says about, like, how she saw the white flame mold him, raise him, etc., etc. And basically gives this inspiring speech not to worry that, like, they will succeed, everything will be okay. Yeah, Cirilla is the key, but you are the commissioner, yeah. was yeah. quite a line. Yeah, like, and, and I think it's really interesting, because it's, like, actually, like, 
it really depicts Kahir as like you know this true believer. Well, show Kahir because yeah. he's a completely different character yeah. from Book Kahir. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Um, just two completely unrelated characters. Um, they might, they might just like coming in... up the fact that he's you know a badass soldier. Yeah, I actually so eventually think... when his character does change. The thing is, the thing is in the books he just isn't no, at he's all. Just a young like, upstart. yeah. So I think, I think this showing Fringilla kind of molding him and uh, reminding him of his like religious anointment and whatever. I think that is possibly what's going to lead us back to book here in the sense like, that I mean, he's absorbing his the regard that, like, of agency because he's got this like sorceress sort of yeah but but basically yes I really love this scene because it like depicts here as like you know and Fringilla as well but like uh, it characterizes both of them as like these genuine true believers mm-hmm. in this cause that mm-hmm. they're possibly up. you know like well, going to die for he says the Ethwene's prophecy yes. bit right at the yeah, end yeah the time of the sword and axe is nigh yes so he does it's yeah it's kind of a big deal yeah a pretty big deal um and then we cut to um her sweet kiss in the credits yeah. oh it kills me that this is in the credits so um listeners if you just did the Netflix it is actually thing, fantastic. please like don't skip god the credits this is the best song in the series yeah yeah like I actually, I, I am actually weirded out by the fact that like the toss of coins here, which are too much more fucking iconic because like, and, um, the first week is so much God, better. He can sing. Oh, he does some things with his voice in the song. So good. Yeah. Well, it's because yeah, it was yeah. in the show, whereas this is like on the credits, <laughs> and Netflix skips it after a few seconds. Yes. Anyway, that's that's the end of the episode. One one last couple of notes that like I was going to put in first, uh, like. Something I noticed watching today was that actually this this episode um, mm-hmm. was the second episode, and also the second episode of the row, but like the second episode that actually creates divergence between TV series canon and game canon, like in the sense that all the Reavers are killed in this one, whereas games they reappear as minor characters. The first one was that Bowsack was killed in the previous episode, obviously. Uh, with, and he is actually a semi-major oh, right. minor character in The Witcher 3 hmm. under the weird rename Erbion mm-hmm. because I don't know why, but CD Projekt Red decided that the name was Mousak was silly. I don't understand this. I think it's a wonderful name. Uh, it's kind of a silly but, name. But yes, that, that yeah. is so far the two divergences <laughs> I've managed to catch between those two adaptations. Uh, like in the in the in the book canon, it's not think, explicitly stated whether he lives Sachs or dies. He just that, disappears. Like, um, wedding oh well, as well, in that case, he probably survived Sintra. So, like, um... so we'll just call it there. Then that is our show. Thank you again for joining us, um, and we will see you again in two weeks, where we will be discussing season two, episode seven, uh, before a fall. Our music is Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Perny and Miloslav Kolar, and you can find it at freemusicarchive.org, and you can find us on Twitter at The Witcher Cast, and also on Tumblr at The Witcher Cast. See you next time.